running Sundays can be really difficult. From one day to the next, you might have a brilliant run one day and then the worst run ever the following day. But it's a matter of not letting that break you. Like, you will have bad days, but you'll also have those days where you think, wow, that run was brilliant. Like, I am made for running. And even if it takes a few weeks to actually get that feeling, don't give up until you do get that feeling. At least give running a chance. Hello and welcome to the Runspire podcast. My name is Matthew Walters and I am the founder of Runspire. Runspire is an online running community dedicated to inspiring others. Please do check us out on Instagram and on Facebook. In each episode, I will be joined by co-host Ben Butterworth. We will be joined by another guest every now and then. Each episode will be based on a different subject with the aim of having a fun but educational conversation. We will not be taking ourselves too serious and hope we can have a laugh along the way. I hope you enjoy the Run Spark podcast. Hi, and welcome to episode three of the Run Spark podcast. Today, I'm joined by co-host Ben Butterworth and Alana Bolton. Today's topic is a beginner's guide to running. We hope you enjoy listening. Hi, Ben. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, mate. How are you today? Good. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thanks, mate. And um, you've been up too much today? Not much, mate. I went for a run this morning. Um, usual stuff in this in these circumstances. Come home, sat down and chilled all day. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, if I'm real with you, I've um, just sat down, made myself a nice um, cup of Yorkshire tea. I know that Alana will probably be um, quite proud of um, hearing that I'm drinking Yorkshire tea. Um, just uh, having a new variation of it, which is a, a multi-biscuit brew. So it's a new flavour. Apparently it tastes like tea and biscuits and um, I'm in no way trying to get the podcast supported and sponsored by <laughs> Yorkshire Tea. But, you know, if they could send me out a box or two, that would um, probably save me, um, you know, a reasonable amount of money because um, I'll put it out there straight away. Yorkshire Tea bags aren't cheap. You know, um, you know, I'm, I'm allowed to say this because I've spent a period of time living in Yorkshire, in Leeds, you know, um, Yorkshire men and women are quite frugal, but when it comes to the price of Yorkshire tea, that's something that they're definitely not frugal about. But um, other than that, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You know, um, running's getting better. Um, you know, no, we've just had the Runspire relay. You know, um, I don't know if you want to tell us a little bit more about that and, you know, what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, of course. But quick question, does your tea taste like biscuit and tea? Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll be honest. You know, I'd prefer to have a couple of digesters with my tea bags but you know yeah. um, you you know I'm like an elite athlete you know I, I have plenty yeah. so I can't be having you know tea and biscuits so if I've got a cup of tea that tastes like tea and biscuits you know it's um, a good coping mechanism until I start um, going into the local co-op and raiding the um, shelves for um, a good pack of hobnobs yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah you mentioned the runs by a podcast uh, the runs by a relay sorry um yeah for anyone that is listening that didn't know what we did, we basically ran the from Buckingham Palace to the Eiffel Tower virtually, um, which is a 280 miles, 268 miles, sorry, um, for IDAS, the Independent Domestic Abuse Service. Um, yeah, and each member had a 30 minute or hour slot to run. And we did it from Friday morning to Monday evening. Um, I think we managed 400 and 
30 miles, I think. Um, and we raised just under £700 for charity, which was awesome. Yeah, it's a massive achievement, mate, isn't it? And, you know, collectively, it's such a good team effort that everyone clubbed in together and spurred each other on. Yeah, I was surprised at how many people got involved and how it brought so many people closer together, which was, yeah, really amazing to see. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's all for a good cause and, you know, they're a good purpose. And, you know, when you said we ran the distance from Buckingham Palace to the Eiffel Tower, I'm, re- I'm really glad that you threw in there that it was done virtually because I don't want anyone listening thinking that we are actually all ran alongside each other <laughs> that whole distance and you know somehow you know got across the um, channel. But no, it's, it's it's just such a good effort, and for, for me, it's uh, it's so humbling, you know that you know um, we've got people who do spur each other on, and one one you know every step of the way, and you know that's something that you know I, I hope that going forward that we you know, do collectively inspire each other um, to go through, you know, with a variation of different challenges. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. You know, people support each other and especially on Instagram, you know, saying, right, I've done my leg over whoever it was next. Um, Good luck, blah, blah, blah. And you see a lot of that, which is really cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next challenge, which is in the pipeline. And I won't give anything away yet, but it's a it's it's a big one for me, mate. Um, you know, I'm just happy at being a five k. I'm a fledgling runner, so you know, just don't try and kill me off. <laughs> yeah, let me see. Five k is enough, mate. Five k is enough. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But nah, um, you know, I know I know it's been a bit of a challenging week for myself, and um, you know, I say that tongue in cheek because um, you know, there's been some. Bullying tactics from you, who you know you like claim that um you know um putting gravy on most food isn't right. <laughs> I, I think that I think that's um a good way of you introducing a fellow northerner of mine into the podcast and episode, and you know we can ask um Alana what her view is on you know um gravy being on most foods and how I believe it works. Yeah, I mean I'm gonna be overpowered by northern people loving gravy aren't i but um yeah let's crack on so yeah welcome alana um how are you hi uh yeah i'm really good thank you thank you for inviting me to be the the first guest on the runspire podcast uh it's a pleasure a good first guest i think thank you You know, for me, it's all about Team Northerner. And, um, you know, I'll start off, you know, it weren't a question that I was going to ask, and it's ad hoc this. Um, but, you know, what what is your view on gravy, and does it work by putting it on most foods? And I hope that you're backing me here. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to disagree. Uh, I, I'm not a massive Ooh. fan of gravy. I might be a Northerner, but, yeah, I am probably uh, one of a kind, not enjoying gravy and cheese on everything <laughs> yeah i can look at that i think i think this is also an opportunity for us to um for me to kick you off the episode because you know it's, it's <laughs> like a lead balloon here in that and you know i thought you'd um you know be um, a strong-willed um northerner and actually back me and even lie about your um dislike of gravy but um no just um, following on from that um I, 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 are you the kind of person who calls it's dinner or tea your evening oh meal. no it's definitely tea i definitely agree with you there yeah no it's definitely dinner it's definitely uh, dinner 
But, you know, um, me and Matt had a conversation with a few other people yesterday, Alana, and, you know, um, you know, um, somebody made a really good um, point. It's a guy called Dan, who's part of Runspire, and he said, well, why at school, lad, he called dinner ladies? That's true. See, dinner is at lunchtime, which can also be called lunch, but tea, tea is definitely in the evening, even though we do call a cup of tea as well, which kind of gets confusing. But, yeah, I've got to agree with you there, Ben. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> Swiftly moving on, it's probably uh, good for us to stay on track and try not to on a tangent too much, which I'm really good at doing that. So, you know, um, Lana, if you just want to like tell us, you know, a little bit about yourself, you know, like where you're from and, um, you know, just in a nutshell, um, you know, um, a bit of a biography, you probably see a, probably something like you see on a, an Avengers film. So if you want to you know, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, so I'm Alana Bolton, or also known as Run.Lana Run, uh, on Instagram. Um, big fan of Instagram. I'm 23 and I am from Sheffield. I'm not really. I'm actually from Rotherham, but we don't admit that. Uh, yeah, true northerner. Uh, take pride in being from Yorkshire. Big fan of Yorkshire tea. Uh, an even more obsessive runner. I uh, started running about four years ago now, just over four years. Um, but I'm sure we'll get onto the reasons as to why we all started running and the motivations that have kept us running um, since we started. I'm also um, a, a Kimberwa Strider uh, who are based in Rotherham. Yeah, and, uh, you know, um, I, I can resonate with what you say, you know, when you say that you don't admit you're from Rotherham, because uh, even though I'm from Manchester, I am officially from Oldham. However, you know, I don't always uh, wear my heart on my sleeve when people say, oh, where, whereabouts are you from? But um, a little unknown fact um, about me, I have actually got a white rose tattooed on my forearm. A what? Tattooed on your forearm? A white rose. Oh, yeah, the symbol of Yorkshire. Really? So are you from Yorkshire? No, however, the sentiment behind that is it's where my um, daughter was conceived. And um, I, I didn't want to do what a lot of people do, where they just get a name of their um, daughter or son tattooed on them. So I thought, you know, I'll, I'll be a little bit of hipster and go for something and think outside of the box. Makes sense. It's a bit unique, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why not? For, for that alone, I think it can be um, a, um, an adopted Yorkshire, Yorkshireman and, you know, the fact that <laughs> as well. Yeah. But no, I mean, we've got a number of questions to ask you, Alana. Um, so you know, I can hand over to Matt and Jay um, can um, start um, the ball rolling. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, pretty simple question, really. So um, when you started running, what did you find most useful slash helpful for you personally? Uh, so, yeah, I started about uh, four and a half years ago. Um I went to uni in the September and by the December I'd put so much weight on uh, it was very visible in photographs and I saw this one photograph from a night out and uh, it just made me feel a bit ashamed about the way that I looked um, so I spoke to my parents and I was like I've got to do something like it's obvious that I put weight on um, and I think I started running because dad's obviously a big runner if you follow us on Runspire uh, and on Instagram you'll see that we run together um, so he took me from my run and it, it was just the constant support there that kept me running, even though we weren't actually together. So my dad was at home in Sheffield, but I was away at uni in Chester. 
having that like virtual running relationship to help me keep running but because I needed to lose the weight as well I was seeing it just dropping off me so I think the results of me losing weight was the sole motivator for me to keep going just knowing that it was going to come off and within about nine months I think I lost two and a half stone Uh, yeah so I think that was the most helpful uh but yeah after the nine months I went back in the second year and I created uh the University of Chester running club so they didn't have a running club before and I just felt like there was nothing else that I could really join I didn't feel a part of any other sports that were on offer so I set that up and the response was just phenomenal I think there were about 75 members in the first year um and that kind of gave me the motivation that I've set this up now. I need to keep it up and I need to encourage loads more other people to start running or to continue something that they were doing before. Um, so, yeah, we had many, many challenges along that year that just helped us keep up the motivation, keep helping each other, supporting each other. And it was just nice to have other people that were like minded at uni because I wasn't one for going out all the time. I wasn't any part of any of the clubs. Uh, so yeah, it was just nice to find like-minded people. Yeah, I think, I think it's great. You know, it's like um, when you mentioned setting up a running club because that's something I did a few years ago now, and it sort of like transfers running into being something that is essentially se- selfish to something that's very selfless because you see the response you get from other people who want to get into running and that's an extra layer of motivation to think, you know, uh, if I can do it, why can't you do it? Why can't you, uh, you know, run the distances I've done? You know, why can you not incorporate as a positive lifestyle? And, you know, I do think it's a very selfless thing. And, you know, I think it's fantastic the fact that you had 75 members in the first year. I mean, is that something that you anticipated? No, definitely not. So when I first, um, we had to put together a bit of like a, a I don't know what you call it, a committee, and really the response from that everyone that I was kind of recruiting they weren't runners they were more involved in other sports or they were more down the walking side of things because I wanted to include walkers as well just to get as many people um together um so yeah I didn't expect that at all the committee changed quite quickly to people that were quite dedicated and they wanted to keep up the running but like you just said it became a selfless thing that I did because like Actually, no, it actually came quite selfish because my achievements didn't seem as much as an achievement as seeing somebody else achieve something. I felt like I'd had a part in somebody else's achievement. And that's what made me more proud than what I was doing for myself. So that was kind of the motivation in itself. That you, you, you were helping other people, which meant you were being helped in the same way. Yeah, definitely. Sounds cool. Was it was it hard work putting it all together? Uh, I'd like to say it was, but it, it wasn't because I had such a big passion for it and I, I absolutely loved doing it. When I had to leave after the second year, it was like my whole life just completely changed. I had to like leave my baby. It was very a strange thing to then come back to Sheffield and not actually be a part of a club or have anybody apart from my dad to run with. Um, so yeah, it was it was quite strange but uh, no it's not hard work if you if you want to set up a running club go ahead and do it like it's one of the best things you will ever do and was it was it england athletics affiliated that um, running club as well no it wasn't um because there was an athletics club 
uh, through the university, we couldn't um, affiliate to another like England's athletics because I think it's something to do with the university mm. affiliations. Because um, we wanted to, we wanted there were a few people that were members of the running club but didn't want to join athletics. Um, and some of them were like in the first year, someone actually went and ran a 50 miler and he didn't really do much running until he joined the club that year. And it was just like amazing. Um, but no, unfortunately, we couldn't join um, affiliate with anything. Um, yeah. I didn't think that mattered. It was more about the social aspects and getting people together that were like minded than the competitive side. And, and that's the best that's thing about running clubs and running crews. You know, you, you, you're essentially starters to begin with. And then before you know it, you're like best of friends and you realise that you've got more in common than what you thought about. And, you know, I think that's so glamorous. You know, you've got people from different backgrounds. And, you know, I'm not talking necessarily about the way that somebody looks, but, you know, it's like there are people who turn up at a running club that you necessarily wouldn't socialise with, you know, if you're walking past them in the street or, you know, you're in the same bar or pub or wherever it may be. I 100% agree. A lot of the people that I ended up running with, because I didn't really go out, um, like, downtown partying and things all the time, I would never have met half of the people that... Um, I did through the running club and you, even when you meet them in those kind of situations you don't really know what their hobbies are and their passions and if they weren't doing much running before you'd never know that they were actually interested in that and would like to run with you so yeah setting up a running club you, you find so many people unlikely people that might become like your best friends for life yeah definitely I can definitely relate to that because since you know starting up run inspire i've met so many people um and become friends with them and like you said you 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 see certain people that you wouldn't realize would actually be into running and then they you know, drop you a message like oh this is so cool what you're doing um can i join etc and it's it's mad to see how many people actually uh run that you don't know would be interested in doing it yeah, I think that brings on to another thing is that you, you can always have this perception that a runner looks a particular way. And really, when you look at everybody that does run, every, every different size, shape, race, belief, I, everybody is different in running. Like you could go to one race, look at park runs, you might get quite skinnier people, look at ultra runners, and usually they're probably not as skinny. Um, but yeah, they're everybody is attracted to running everyone is there for one reason and that's because they enjoy running they probably enjoy talking about it and they just want to be with like-minded people you make such a key point first that you can go to part run or i like to call it part race and you know it's for the people who tend to be single digit body fat whereas when you go to an ultra or a trail run you've got people who turf up with the run running shoes on but they've actually got the pockets full of pork pies and Ginster's pasties. And that's, that's why I love running, because it means I get to eat more. Yeah. Let's see all you can eat buffet while you walk in. You know I like to do that. <laughs> yeah. you know, what, what, so, yeah. I'll ask you a question. Um, you know, um, I am mindful um, that we're here to essentially um, give a beginner's guide to running um, but um you know, a question that i've wanted to ask you because you know i'm really interested in your blog and um you know um, for those who are listening who haven't read your blog or don't know a lot about you 
you know, um, I know that you ran Paris Marathon in 2019, and as a runner who lives with MCADD, did that have any effects on your training for a marathon? And can you tell what everyone, sorry, everyone who's listening, what MCADD is? Yeah, so MCAD is a, a very long word uh, that I can never remember. Uh, but it is about um, an, a, a deficiency where you can't fast, basically. So when you're running, you obviously are probably not eating. And you might have to go a couple of hours before you run without eating, just so you don't get stitch and the likes. But, um, yeah, I was always told that I shouldn't be doing endurance running, shouldn't be really running or putting myself any under um, any exertion. And I just thought, no, like, I want to run. And even though I might have got a condition that's going to try and stop that, I'm going to try and beat it. I'm going to prove to myself and to the people that said that I couldn't do it or shouldn't do it is that I can. Um, and fair enough, it, it was a lot of hard work, not just on me, but also on my dad. He was running alongside me, on my fiance and on my mom. They were having to witness some of the things, the horrible things that I was put through trying to train for a marathon. Um, so it took me 18 months or so to actually train for my first successful marathon. I had a couple of failed attempts. Uh, and I think that's one thing that's really important for people that are starting out running is that failure isn't the end of the world. And in some ways, I think it's really hard to accept for a lot of people, but failure does happen. You kind of need to expect it, um, especially if you do have conditions like mine. So I went into my first marathon knowing full well that was I really going to do it? Uh, and I didn't. I pulled out at 17 miles. Um, I had another attempt, but I was ill, so I kind of put it down to the illness. Um, but yeah, I had to train like absolute crazy, and it was about training my fueling. I had to do so many trials and errors. I was throwing up left, right, and center. I go into hallucin hallucinations, kind of a delusional in some ways. Uh, on my second marathon, I did finish, but for the last few miles, I had no idea what was going on. Um, and dad had to practically carry me across the line. Um, but yeah, it was hard. But the Paris Marathon, I think I put myself under that much pressure that it was kind of like, right, you've got to train. You are going abroad to do your first ever marathon. Uh, you're going to run alongside your dad and your mum and your fiancé are there supporting you for that day. And yeah, I trained like crazy. Um, and it was successful and I enjoyed every single step. I turned up at that start line knowing full well that I've done everything that I needed to do um, to get me through it. And then Callum proposed at the end, so couldn't really ask for anything more than that, could I? No, that's no definitely not. You know, like a, a, a look at like, um, you know, that side effects, you know, which um, you mentioned, you know, like um, hallucinating, you know, I know that, you know, you can get quite lethargic and, you know, you can struggle with drowsiness. Is that something that, you know, um, you're mindful of? And do you have any coping mechanisms or do you recognise those signs before you get to the point where you hallucinate or can it just suddenly happen? Well, that's it. Like some days when I, I first started running, I could go out and do a 5K one day and be completely fine. The next day I could be really ill, um, even just doing a 5K. So when I started training for the marathon, it was about learning about what I needed to do at certain steps during the race before uh, any of the, the side effects would come on. Um, so I ended up 
trial and an error in so many 20 milers. I think we did about five or six um, just within a couple of months um, to really test it. And I end up having uh, about six to eight gels during a marathon, as well as three chicken sandwiches and probably some Jaffa cakes, Skittles, minstrels. And it's just about constantly feeding myself just to make sure that nothing comes on and I don't start to feel ill. As soon as I start to feel ill, that's when I know I'm on the downward spiral. You know, I was, I was going to ask like what, what you've done to fuel yourself so you don't have any like, big issues. But that is a lot of food. Um, did it not make you feel, you know, sick in another way? Or was it kind of just work, not perfectly, but work well for you? At the start, it was. It was really difficult. Um, I had to learn how to eat even just before a run so I wouldn't get stitched. But then having to train yourself to actually eat during a run that just seemed like impossible but now I could I could literally eat and run at the same time even just doing a 5k it's just about getting your body used to it um but the chicken sandwiches they sound quite heavy but I think it's because I need to feel as though I've got something in my stomach yeah from what you tell me you know it's, it's such a long journey that you've been through you know those 18 months to eventually get to you know the finishing post at Paris Marathon and, um, you know, so you mentioned like chicken sandwiches and, you know, other foods and, you know, I'm surely it crosses your mind. You think I'm made for ultra running here. I can you know, do the <laughs> eat what I want. Yeah, I'd like to think so, too. So my dad's a big ultra and I think he's done, he's either done 11 or 12 now, I think. Um, and I'd love to follow in his footsteps. There's um, an ultra race um, around our local areas called the Robotham's Round 50 row bottoms rather than round 50 so 50 miler and I just think one day I've got to do that with my dad um but yeah I did have one ultra attempt but I chose the hilliest one in Yorkshire and it was it was the worst idea ever I had to pull out at halfway yeah that's very true. Maybe not where I am right now. So I live near Doncaster, which is predominantly flat. But when you decide to do your first ultra 30 miler near Huddersfield, um, yeah, not the best idea. <laughs> right. I feel like we should um, move on to the actual topic of the podcast because we could just carry on talking for the entire time. But um, yeah, Ben, how should we start, mate? Beginner's Guide to, to Running. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's all about realistic expectations. And, you know, I, I think it's a good way to start the conversation. You know, um, for me, you can aim high and, you know, you can be, you know, the next, you know, like Mo Farah. You know, you've got to work for it. Or you can, you know, if you're a female, you can be the next Mary Katana. And yeah, fair enough. But, you know, for me, it might be out of reach straight away. And I think the best advice I've got with realistic expectations is, you know, you've got to start small and, you know, start with a goal of mine. Like, oh, yeah, I'll start off by running around the block and just steadily improve that. So after that, the next time you go out, run one kilometre, then the next run, run one mile and so on. But, you know, if you don't want to be the next Mary Katana, you know, it can be like, be the next Mary Berry with running shoes. So bake <laughs> your cakes and get out of the door and go running. Yeah, that's it. Like, 
it's so important to set realistic expectations because if you're you know if you just started out running you're right like right i'm gonna go run 20 miles it's not really gonna happen straight away so you you do need to take take it easy ease yourself into it and, and enjoy enjoy the process of of your training I think that's a key point that you just mentioned. It, it's about enjoying your running journey. You might set out wanting to run a marathon. You might set out thinking, right, I'm going to run really fast and I'm going to get a sub 20 minute 5K. But really, if you think, if you step back and think about why are you starting up running? Why are you going to continue running? It's about having something there that you enjoy. And if you don't enjoy it, then why are you doing it? Yeah, I definitely agree because, like you said about you know running a marathon straight away, etc. You know, you kind of got to set goals from, you know, small goals to start off with, and then set a massive goal for a year or two years, three years, four years later, and work towards that. So you've got to try and, you know, monitor your process, uh, progress, and and use that to to improve if that's your goal. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that, mate. And um, you know, it's like with what you say, Alan. You've got to enjoy that process. And you know, I won't lie to begin with. Everything will hurt, and you'll feel like you need medical treatment. But that doesn't, that isn't forever. And um, you know, um, it's important that your goals when it comes to running starts on your very first run. And that's why I mentioned, you know, it's important. Like, yeah, I'm going to run to the next lamppost, and it just goes from there. And before you know it, you're like wearing a medal and you've completed a. 10k or a half marathon a marathon you think how the how the hell did i get here and it starts i'm going to run one kilometer and just work up with yeah it's funny how quickly you're you know you improve and you said it you said it it does get easier but it, it does get easier to a certain extent but as you improve you obviously start wanting to run faster run further so in that sense it doesn't actually get easier it only gets harder because you want to push yourself even more Yeah, and um, my mantra is, um, you know, um, you've got to have something that keeps you focused. And mine is more miles equals more craft beer. You know, and I'm not saying that's the only purpose that I have. Um, but, you know, um, everybody's got a variety of reasons why they go out of the door and go running. Um, you know, with, with that, without that, you know, I don't think it's worth it. And, you know, following them from, you know, saying, me saying it's not worth it, I think anything worth having in life, you've got to, fight for and you know that even includes running because it's just no easy feat yeah running some days can be really difficult from one day to the next you might have a brilliant run one day and then the worst run ever the following day but it's a matter of not letting that break you like you will have bad days but you'll also have those days where you think wow that run was brilliant like i am made for running and even if it takes a few weeks to actually get that feeling, don't give up until you do get that feeling. At least give running a chance. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. You know, you, you've got to give it a chance. And like you said, some runs are bad and, and not enjoyable. Other runs can be amazing. And that's why I think it's really important to do different types of runs. Um, you know, if you're going out and doing the same, same uh, session every time, it's going to get boring and it's, you know, it's not going to get easier to a certain extent. It's going to get harder because it's more boring. So introducing different sort of runs and sessions into your training is definitely important. 
Yeah, that's key. And, you know, there's a variety of different sessions you can do. And, you know, we've mentioned this previously, you know, if, if you were to run the same route over and over again, you know, it's, it, 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 I, I, I like relate that to, you know, if you were to listen to the same song over and over or, you know, you were to have the same meal day in, day out, you know, eventually you're going to get fed up of it and not want to do it again. And um, I think with this being a beginner's guide to running, I mean, do either of you do different types of runs and sessions and, you know, um, what do you find helps um, you guys out? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I do everything I do, you know, easy runs, long run, hill sprints, interval work, um, flat leg as well. Um, I try and vary it as much as I can because, one, it's it's enjoyable to do different sessions and, and two, you progress more, I think, personally, and also injury prevention as well. You know, if you're running the same same way and same style constantly, you're more likely going to get injured. So, yeah, I love to keep it varied and keep it interesting yeah and I, I think it's important to mix it up you know when it when it comes to running and you mention one type of run which is fartlek now it's not a devious act so do you just want to tell the masses what a fartlek run is i mean fartlek running you, know, you have you can there's structured fartleks there's just you can make it random as you want you know, run to a lamppost walk to the next run two lampposts walk to the next or literally anything like that you can do a hilly heart leg where you run up a hill jog back down and then back up but even further so that you've not really got set intervals it's more unstructured but there are certain structured ones but yeah it's it's kind of speed work but you can yeah yeah and uh, anyway. I, I, I didn't know this until you know probably um, only a few months ago but heart leg actually means speed play yeah speedish you know but if you if you're talking you know, with it, you know, with your group of mates who aren't runners, they just look at you like, "What are you talking about?" You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And what, what do you think helps you, Alana? You know, when you go out running, do you mix it up much? I'd love to say that I do do all those things that you've just mentioned, but I just don't. I, I have tried in the past, but it's just never been to my fancy. I think the way I vary my running is just the different routes that I do so I recently moved into a new house into a new area that I'd never been to before and with the coronavirus situation it's really made me learn about what's on my doorstep I've just been taking new footpaths that I didn't know that were there I've been doing road running trail running uh, I always try and run to different views as well so I kind of give myself a purpose of why am I doing this route because I want to go and see a pretty viaduct or I want to do the street alphabet challenge, for example. Um, <laughs> and um, when you've been out running and you, it's, it's, it's sort of like an adventure, isn't it? You know, especially when you move to a new area or if you've lived in an area, you know, you know, like, for example, with me, you know, somewhere that I've um, lived for a majority of my life, you know, I'm discovering new routes. Have you, have you, have you done anything where you've gone on a route and you've got lost or it's come to a dead end? Uh, I would, yeah, I rarely get lost just because I I like getting lost in a way. I like finding new routes that I have no idea are going to take me to somewhere. Ideally, um, as long as I know that I'm not going to some dodgy area. Um, but yeah, dead ends, I often come across those. But it's just about turning around and then finding the next footpath that you find just going out on that adventure that you said. Yeah, so you like dead end and uh, you, you sort of look suspicious, you know, like, especially if you go down a cul-de-sac and you don't know it's a cul-de-sac and you look like a yeah. burglar. 
you're just quickly like turning back on yourself and running off the street like really quickly. I think it's really fun when you get lost because it makes your run different then because you're like, oh, where am I? Where am I? Like, and then it kind of wastes a bit of time so you don't get bored. Yeah, definitely. And your heart gets pumping as well. You feel like you have to run a little bit quicker just to yeah. get yourself back on the path. But yeah, it's fun getting lost when, you, when you're out running. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Unless you are in, in a race, a 50-mile race, and you decide yeah. to take your dad up a field that you shouldn't have gone up, that's not fun. Yeah, I don't recommend that. Uh, no, we just ended up going around a very big field that we, we didn't need to. And when you're already about 45 miles in, it's not what you need. No, not what anybody needs. You just want to get out of the way. Yeah. I just wanted to point out as well, you know, talking about different sessions. And Alana, you said you don't do, you know, a varied sessions. But that, you know, if, if you're a new runner or beginner, you don't have to do them. You know, I know someone uh, who doesn't do any of that you know maybe adds a bit little bit of speed work in every now and then but he's improved massively since i've known him so it's not a necessity but if you know you do get bored or or whatever then adding them into your training could be helpful i think it also depends on what your aims are so if you are hoping to even though if you are a new runner you might think actually i want i do want to get faster then you might incorporate some of those training plans if you want to go further uh, you're probably going to stick to the the longer and slower um, routines. Yeah, and yeah. You have to say that slow and steady wins the race. And you know, you 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 mentioned that you don't mix things up that often, and um, you know that's that's not a bad thing at all. Because I think within every runner, you know, without us really paying attention to it, we do incorporate different types of runs, even if we go out and just do the same style of run. And you know, that felt like um, you know we've um, been different like types of running so you know like periods of fast running you know intermixed with like slower periods of running so you have to do that because if you're going on a route and you've gone down a particular road you think i know this road so i'm going to pick up the pace because you recognize it instantly and i think without knowing we do you know um incorporate that interval training into our runs yeah and it goes for like hill sprints as well like you say you know you might not be sprinting up a hill but if you're running up a hill, you're still kind of putting hill work in there without even intentionally doing hill work or specifically going out to do hill work. It's just kind of added on without you knowing. Yeah, definitely. And especially when you come across a hill that you've run up before, you think I'm going to push a little bit harder this next time. I don't know if um, both of you do that, but you know it's something I try and avoid. I think, oh, damn, it's that bloody hill again. And you know, <laughs> to then run from the bottom to the top of it really slow. Depends on the day and time. But yeah, sometimes I turn back around and I'm like, no, nah, not, not today. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, with, with running, you know, you know, if we move on to, you know, um, running shoes and the clothes you wear, and, um, you know, it's, it's for me, it's like pretty much trial and error. But, you know, um, if I put out a question to you, Alana, you know, um, when you first started running, did, did you, were you quite a novice in terms of like your knowledge of like running shoes and, you know, what you should be running in and how you should have been looking your feet? Well, thankfully, I had my dad and he'd been running for probably about 10 years by that point. So he'd already mastered everything uh, for his running. Um, so I think I always had that, I had that support and that um, 
little outlet where it's actually we'll get you some trainers like just to to give you that motivation which i think it does like if you do want to keep up your running get yourself some proper trainers but i wouldn't say at the start i was uh, i didn't go for proper sports bra fittings or a gait analysis it was more about just finding something that i felt comfortable to run in um just to make sure that i was going to stick with it and then when i realized that i was i did have a passion for running then it was about right let's invest and in making sure that I'm actually comfortable in the long term. Um, and then, of course, you want all the jazzy kit as well. Like you've got to look the best. Yeah, you've got to look, you know, to, it's all that makes me feel like I'm a proper runner to a degree. But you know, I know we, we bang on about how running is cheap and it's actually far from the truth. And it's so important and key that you invest in your feet. And that's not just the shoes alone, because, um, you, know, I, I, you know, I've been guilty of it where I've spent £100 and a pair of running shoes and then I'm still going out in like some heavy duty cotton socks and wondering why I'm getting blisters so I think that's important as well it's not just the shoes it's everything else I 100% agree when I first started running I kept getting blisters and dad just turned and said you need some proper socks and I've never had a blister since so proper socks (laughs) socks is one of them things that you just don't think about you just think well I'm going to go Go get some socks, not think about it, and deal with it. But then when you start having issues, you, it's easy to blame the trainers. But sometimes it's not always the case. No, it's not. And um, you know, um, I mean, I'll, I'll be real with you guys. I wear running socks all of the time. And you know, even when I go to work, you know, I don't wear work socks. You know, like Tuesday or Friday written on them. You know, I've actually got running socks on underneath my um, trousers. But I've got to be mindful that they're not. I'm not getting dressed in the dark and I'm putting some like bright fluorescent hilly socks on. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. No, definitely not. And, you know, but it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's so, so important that, you know, from head to toe that you're running in right gear. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, that, that phrase, you know, it's trial and error because, you know, we just think it's our feet and, you know, you go running out in, you know, like cotton T-shirts or like heavy hoodies and it's no criticism, you know, it's all about that, you know, learning process. I think, you know, you, you hit the, the nail on the head there with saying it's a learning process and you, know, you go out with the basic stuff you've got before when you, when you first start running, um, you know, you've probably not got like a running top or running shorts, running socks, whatever, but... You don't need to go out and spend hundreds of pounds on the gear. You can go and buy the basic cheap sports gear and it will work fine. And obviously, the longer you are running, you're going to go and spend more money because you're addicted to it all. That's very true. Yeah, I think at the start, it's not about spending a hundred pounds on a pair of trainers when you've only been running for a week. It's about finding gear that you're happy to run in, that you're comfortable to run in. And then when you realize that, yeah, you want to stick with this and you start signing up for your races and you start exploring all the, the websites of the, um, the jazzy running gear that you're going to buy, that's when you then start to get addicted and spending the money. But really, you can keep it cheap. Like You don't have to spend £100 on trainers. You can find discount shops where um, £120 trainers are half price. Um, so even though we say it's an expensive sport, even though everyone tries to say it's a cheap sport, yeah, you don't have to splash out, especially from the beginning. I I um I never go out and buy new trainers. I, bu- I buy new trainers, sorry, but I don't buy them when they're full price. I always wait for a deal because 
it's just ridiculous. You know, spending 160 quid or, you know, 280 quid on a pair of Nikes, it's just absolutely ridiculous, especially when they don't actually last that long if you're doing high mileage. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, you, you've got to leverage running. So it's not all about how much you spend. It's not going to prove a point. The only point you've got to prove is that when you get out the door and you come back from a run, you know, you release those endorphins and um, you've got a smile on your face. And it's not just what you've got on your feet that's important, but it is important that you look after your feet. Yeah, it's a bit like the next percent when everyone's moaning about it, it gives like, people an unfair advantage. Well, even if it does a little tiny bit, you've still got to be fit enough to run fast. Those shoes aren't going to make you run fast. So if you are a new runner, if you've got the money, go buy them. But don't expect them to make you run fast because they're these massive, expensive shoes. Yeah, and, you know, um, you know everyone's a different style of runner, aren't they? So, you know, something like the next percent aren't going to work for everyone. You know, yeah. like, um, you know, a massively cushioned shoe. Yeah, it will give you extra support, but it's not going to work for everyone. And, you know, um, I think that's, you know, um, probably a good um, opportunity for us to move on to gait analysis. And, um, you know, for, for me, with gait analysis, I, I, I encourage everyone to do it. But for me, it's like a lot of things that you factor into that. Don't put all your eggs in one basket and just take one person's view on what shoe you should buy as being gospel you know because ultimately you know your own body and your feet and what's right for you and what's wrong for you and um I, I, i'm guessing um, this is like good for you to um give your um you know um view on this um all that you worked at up and running in the past and you know you will have a um, knowledge of gait analysis but what, what's your take on it and you know does it work for everyone yeah, so gait analysis, it's getting on the treadmill. Uh, you basically have your feet filmed whilst you're doing a little bit of running. So if you do ever go and have one, make sure you're kind of comfortable um, to run. Uh, probably wear shorts if possible, just so they can see your ankles. So they're trying to look for whether you overpronate or not. Uh, so whether your ankles turn in or out or whether they're quite straight on. Um, to me, I did quite a few gait analysis, but... I can't say I've ever done one myself, had one done for myself, apart from when I worked at the shop, just to give other examples to people. Um, I want to say everybody go and have it done. Um, it's good, especially if you are ever having any problems with your feet, your knees, any part of your legs, even your hips or your back. Um, they might be able to give you uh, an insight into why you're having those issues. But again, just like Ben said, it is one other person's opinion uh, and interpretation of the video and of your feet. You might be able to have two people give you that interpretation, but it doesn't mean you have to go and spend £140 on a pair of trainers just because you've gone to that shop. Uh, the person that's serving you is always going to want what's best for you. And that was something I really took pride in. I had people call in a few weeks later telling me how good the shoes were that they'd bought. Um, but yeah, you can go elsewhere. Once you've had that gait analysis, it's brilliant whether to find out whether you need a support shoe or just a cushion shoe. Um, but yeah, I'd go and have one done. But in my opinion, I, I don't have one. Yeah, I've, I've never had one done, to be honest. But um, I know someone who, who started running for like two weeks and he, was, he signed up to the local half marathon. And he went and had his um, gait analysis, analysis done. 
and he walked out with 140 pair pounder trainers, which I think he used maybe four times because he just didn't get on with them. So it's kind of taking it with a pinch of salt, you know, the shop. And I'm not saying everyone does it, but maybe sometimes the shop are trying to sell you what they want to sell and not what you need. Like Definitely. I said, not, not everywhere. Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's, that's why I love your independent local running shops. And uh, am I right in thinking, Alana, that up and running, if a new store opens, it's essentially a franchise. So it's not, oh, we've got um, a gap in, in this area. It's primarily people who have got a passion for running and they want to open that shop because they want to do it for the right reasons. Uh, to be honest, I've never really been to many up and runnings outside of Chester. Uh, but the people that I work with at Chester, they were awesome. Like they they were fully into their running and doing ultras and all sorts. So yeah, usually you get the people there that are passionate about running, and they're only going to want what's best for you as a, a fellow runner. Yeah, and and I asked the smaller shop um, your best interest at heart. And for me, with gait analysis, you know, um, I've done it twice. The first time. You know, it was really bad for me, but I did it about 18 months later. And, you know, I got um, advised that a pair of particular on running shoes would be better for me. And I've never turned back. And, you know, personally, I think gait analysis, it does provide a good insight on your stride, but it's only you and you yourself who knows if the shoe fits well. With you saying that, I think the one thing that I always um, decide whether I love a pair of trainers or not is when you first put your foot into that shoe, does it feel like it is for your shoe? Does it feel comfortable? And if it doesn't there and then at that moment, then it's probably never going to feel comfortable. Yeah, I agree with you there. I, I won a pair of Asics on Instagram and I've never had a pair before of um, Asics. I've always run in Nike and New Balance. And when I got them, I put them on and I was like, yeah, these, these are not good for me. I started running and I tried them about three, four times, but they were just, they were just heavy and, and clumpy. I just could not get on with them. But like you said, you pretty much know straight away whether they're going to work or not. Yeah, you do. And, um, you know, you, you, your opinions change and e even your running form changes. And um, that's what I found over the last um, two, two and a half years. And, you know, I've, I've gone from, needing a full support shoe so it were a hulker um it were a hulker shoe and you know it looked massively bulky but at the time i was over pronating whereas now i only slightly over pronate on my left uh, leg and it doesn't necessarily need a stability shoe and i've gone like just like from a full support shoe to running in a brand called ultra which is zero drop and you know that's for me it's like you know the best shoe for me right now yeah, it's funny how like you say you you do change over time, and your form changes. You know, your need for certain shoes, certain socks, or whatever, will always change. I think it's important something that you just said that we're recommending like different brands and things that we get on with. But especially as a, a new runner, um, I think it's important that you realise that don't don't copy your friends. Um, everybody is bespoke. Every uh, brand is going to be different for every person so some of the shoes that you've mentioned wouldn't suit me and the shoes that I might mention wouldn't suit you so at the start yeah take recommendations and um, try them out for yourself but take it with a pinch of salt and expect that it might not work for you just because it works for your friends that takes us to the next sort of point to be fair like don't copy your friends you know so if you are a new runner don't 
copy your friends. Don't copy people on Instagram just because they're promoting stuff doesn't mean it's any good. So yeah, don't get caught up in what other people are doing. And I think that is in any aspect of running, you know, like trainers, don't just get a pair because your friend got a pair. You know, get what you want. And it comes down to, like I said, every aspect of training, like your your runs, your the, the kit you buy or what race you enter. Don't, you don't need to do it because of what other people are doing online or Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Yeah, I, I, for me, like, you know, when you come to running shoes and, you know, um, not, you know, um, taking advice from your friends and what they think might be best for you, you've got to ultimately decide for you. And my relationship with running shoes is, you know, probably being in parts during my life, like my dating life, you know, it's like you win some, you lose some. And um, <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just about that experience, you know. Um, it's probably not the best comparison to make, um, but, you know, um, not the first shoe isn't always going to be for you. And if it is, you know, that's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, you make a valid point there. Don't compare yourself to other people. Don't be under pressure to run a certain um, way or be a particular kind of runner because you know you best and you know it's not all about chasing those times and um, or even distances you just do what you feel right to do on that particular day and you know for me you know, what helps for me and I don't know if it resonates with you guys but I always remember my first ever run and what I've taken from life since that first run yeah I can I can remember when I started running I say not seriously, but started running to train for my first half, which I was playing football at the time, so it wasn't like I was taken very seriously. Um, but I can just remember running this certain route, and yeah, it's funny looking back on it. One thing I'd like to say is that when I first started running, I remember my first ever run, which was horrific. I'd rather not remember. But my first ever park run... Um, yeah, I, it was probably one of the slowest part runs I've done. Definitely not the slowest. I've run with my dog several times since then, uh, so definitely slowed down. Um, but I think that's one thing as a new runner, even though you might not be up to a full 5K or running the full 5K, get to park run. Like park run every Saturday morning, it's free. You'll be surrounded by hundreds of other people that are like-minded. No one's going to judge you they're not comparing themselves to you and you shouldn't feel like you need to compare yourselves to others you can go there you can run it you can walk it or you can just volunteer and cheer people on um, but that's definitely something i think as a new runner you need to experience even if you don't go there to participate just go and watch yeah we, we spoke, me and ben spoke about that on one of the last episodes and park run is brilliant and i remember my first time and i was actually really scared because i didn't know what to do and it is quite nerve-wracking, but I took a friend. I made Connor come with me, um, who had been a couple of times before, and just so he could show me what to do, because it is nerve-wracking if you've never been before. But like you said, once you get there, they, they do explain everything. And so if it is your first time and you go alone, they explain everything, and it's really enjoyable. And everybody's yes. so friendly. So yeah. just ask the question. Just speak to someone. If you want to actually walk and have some friends like take your friends with you or no doubt you'll find somebody there to walk with as well so. definitely and that's 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 the thing about it's not all about running you know feel under no pressure that you you know if you need to stop or walk that's completely fine and i think the greatest thing about part run for me is i like view it as a 
networking event on the move and you know you, you always get talking to someone and you know it's typically the case that you can either exchange numbers or you know if you turn up again next time you're going to see those same friendly faces and you know you just turn pick up where you left off and it is like going out socializing once a week yeah it is for sure yeah and then that you know um we've mentioned about running primarily but um you know um I want to like this mixing up your training and it's not necessarily about going down the route of talking about triathlons or just, you know, um, weight training. I know that does help, you know, mixing up your um, training and doing some strength exercising, but, you know, talking about foam rolling and, you know, whether both of you guys, in particular yourself, Lana, do you foam roll or stretch before or after any runs? Ah, uh, see, another culprit. I, I don't do any stretching. I used to, I do earn a firm roller. Uh, my fiance is a, um, he was a personal trainer, so he's very into the gym, firm rolling and all that stuff. But I don't do it. But I always think that if we, if you're used to not um, stretching, then be probably a good idea not to start stretching. So I feel like sometimes if you do change those kind of things that you don't always do, uh, it might cause more injury, so that's my thoughts that's, on that's, that's the funny thing about stretching. Um, it's not; it doesn't prevent injury, and I think a lot of people don't mm. understand that. So if you if you go for a run, you know, I I, I personally do stretch, but I stretch because I don't, you know, it it just helps my legs. Um, but it's not a necessity, but it will help. But it doesn't prevent injury, so it's one of them things to remember. It just helps, you know. Delay dollars and that sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, following on from what you say, Matt, you know, um, there's a lot of research behind it. It doesn't prevent injury. And um, for me, you know, um, I do stretch, but my stretch is probably two minutes of that. And it's just to activate and wake up my legs. You know, if I've been tired at a desk all day, that's solely the only reason why I'm doing it. Or first thing in the morning, again, I want to wake up my legs. So I will stretch a little bit. But, I mean, for me, um, I. I, w I wouldn't say that you're a culprit, Alana, because I've got a foam roller as well, but all it does is like, look back at me in my living room. I personally put it in the living room because I want to use it, but I don't. But, you know, um, it's, it's it's down to your experience. And, you know, with foam rolling, I, I, I used to do it daily, you know, probably for like 20, 30 minutes while watching something on the TV. And I found it didn't make much difference. And I'm not, that's just what my view is on it. Um, you know, for me, I think if you're just going to do a 5K run, um, try and not make sure the form rolling takes longer than your actual 5k. Yeah, it does sometimes. <laughs> it's a funny thing with form rolling though, because I I do it every now and then when I can be bothered. But sometimes if I if I start doing it, it hurts. I actually can't be bothered, which I know sounds really bad because that's the times you should be doing it. But when it hurts, I'm like, nah, I ain't doing it today. Yeah, definitely. And um, you know, I know talk about quite a lot um i don't know if there's anything else you want to mention Alana, you know about what your best piece of advice is for someone who's new to running uh well i think there's quite a few things that you learn about running especially when you first start um i could run through a couple and see if you've got any others that you could add um, yeah, so even if you are just starting out running um, and you're only doing maybe a couple of miles, say, um, yeah, you're going to learn that you're going to need Vaseline or anti-chafing cream. And you're then going to learn where it needs to go and about all the places on your body that you didn't probably knew existed until you started running. 
you'll also learn that, um, yeah, you'll have to go to the toilet at unexpected times and there might not be toilets around. Uh, so yeah, carry, carry Lou roll. Um, Gosh, yeah, and the meet meet Matt talked about that not long ago about unexpected accidents that could happen, and unfortunately, it's just the simple case that nature calls when you don't want it to. Yeah, and it, it happens. happens. <laughs> and I think one thing about that you'll learn about the running community is that we're not afraid to talk about the number two. Definitely not. It happens to the best of us. Yeah, it can end up being quite topical, can't it? But then you've got to like look over your shoulders and um, you know like look at who's um, around you. You know, if it's a non-runner. Yeah. Especially. Yeah, you also need to check for CCTV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you end up on the internet somewhere. You're going to learn that there's a lot of lessons to be learned when you start running. I think that's a good reason why. You should get involved in like the running community online through Instagram and Facebook because you can learn from everybody else's experiences because uh, you are probably likely to go through those experiences yourself. Yeah, definitely. And you made, made so you know a couple of really good points, Alana. You know, in regards to um, the best piece of advice, and you know, for me, um, you know, um, I, I think the best thing for new runners is find the routine that works for you and have a plan. You know, whether it's, you know, start off with a short-term plan, um, but accept that a plan doesn't always go to plan. It's completely fine to, you know, miss out on a run or two runs. You know, um, you know, life does take over, unfortunately. And, um, you know, the big, biggest thing, you know, following on from that is, you know, just persevere. Running doesn't start off by being easy. And uh, you'll be faced with obstacles. But you'll look and think, wow, you know, I've actually made a lot of progress from that very first run that I did. Yeah. I think, you know, my words of advice would be to just enjoy it. And I think you, you just take your time and don't rush things. Because I know as runners, we are all wanting to hit our goals, our targets and stuff. But as a beginner, you kind of really enjoy the process and just take your time, take it easy. Don't get caught up in what everyone else is doing. You know, when, when you're ready to enter a race or go to park run, you go, you know, do it on your own terms and just really, really enjoy the start of running because I, you know, looking back, I can remember how much I enjoyed it as I'm progressing because you will progress a lot when you start out and it's really fun. So yeah, just really enjoy that moment because it gets harder. <laughs> I think trying to get your friends or your family involved too, or getting out there and making friends because without my dad, like no way would I have kept up running or would I have even started running in the first place? So having that support and someone else that's there for the journey or even just having your family support you, even if they're not running themselves, it just gives you that boost and that motivation. Uh, to carry on running yeah definitely now I mean we could talk about this all day and go on for hours but I think there's a lot we discussed today that people can take away with them so we'll end it there then yeah thanks again Alana for joining me Ben as always co-host thanks again for for helping out and making this happen Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rise Bar podcast and we hope you enjoyed listening. Like I said at the beginning, 
please do check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Also, please feel free to leave a comment on what you would like us to discuss on future episodes. Again, thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Thank you.